Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. It's always real self-assuring when it rains on Memorial Day, isn't it? For all of us non-campers, we're always like, see, you made the right decision. I get it. It's very self-fulfilling. Hey, oh, we're so glad that you're here. We are, if you're a first-time guest, uh, we're a church that, for people who don't typically like church, or we at least attempt to be uh, that. And uh, we started, we teaching, wow, that got really bright really fast. Sorry about that. Uh, my eyes are quickly dilating to that. Um, we, uh, we teach in series around here, so we started a new one last week called Thy Kingdom Come, and, and if you missed it, you can always go back, and we have an app, you can do it that way, or, or go online to uh, our website in eastlaketricities.com slash talks. But the concept of the series was called Thy Kingdom Come, which is basically a part of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. He says, do it in this way, and, and our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, that will be done. And, and what is it that we mean? The, the question was, what, does, what, do you think, what do you think you mean when you, when, when you pray that? If you pray that, and maybe you've never used those words before, but in, in your prayers, what do you hope for the world? Um, what, do you, what do you want this to look like? What are, what, do you, what are we doing here? What's the point of all of this? What does culture have? Uh, what is culture in relation to the church and in terms of Christ, in, in relation to Christianity and faith and religion and all that kind of stuff? Um, so another way to, to ask the question was simply this. When somebody like me in a situation like this or a context like this brings up the world, right? Those two words, what, what kind of tone does the language usually take after this? That will describe a lot of kind of your upbringing, uh, and there are uh, like uh, basically four major approaches. Think of it in terms of like a box, a four square box or whatever of, of ways that religion and Christian versions of Christianity pastors like me have kind of been like, okay, when, we, when I say the world, here's what I mean with this. And we can either be against the world. That's what we talked about last week is, is basically distancing ourselves from anything that goes on with the world and, our, and, and separating from that whole thing is the goal. We can be for the world. That's a little bit what we're talking about this week. Uh, we can be above the world. The world is here, but it's kind of a banal existence and we're kind of, we can kind of transcend it. Uh, and then lastly, transforming that. You don't have to memorize those. There is no quiz, I promise you. Uh, and, and, and it can feel like maybe if you're like, dude, I like, I'm doing soccer and family and work. I don't have time to like, feel, you know, philosophize about all this kind of stuff. I understand. Here's why I think this is important. Um, is because I want to kind of dialogue through some of these things because these are different approaches uh, that, are, that make people feel like this is what it means to be Christian. And, and perhaps you have uh, rejected Christianity or rejected the church because perhaps you, you kind of thought that, this, that one of these approaches, the church that you grew up in, the, the upbringing that you had was, was strictly this. This was the only what it means to be Christian. And, and if you're not one of the, you know, in these types and people believe these types because they, every one of these things has like scriptural support, you know, there's like verses that you can read a certain way and support this idea, uh, some, some traditional church histories and personal experience, all kinds of things go into this thing. And I want you, I want you to be able to kind of look at this and be like, all right, I can see, and we do this constantly. We're always comparing ourselves, trying to discern our value based on where other people are at, whether we, uh, you know, try to do it a lot or a little, there's to some degree always that happening, right? And so I don't want you to go blindly into something going, is that what it means to be Christian? You see somebody post certain things, wear certain things, talk a certain way, not allow their kids to watch a certain show. And your kids are like, quote that show. And you're like, am I bad? Am I a bad parent? 
Am I a bad Christian? What does this mean? Or I reject something and I say, Christianity is all bad. And all you're doing is simply rejecting a type, a, a, an, an approach to Christianity, but not uh, per, perhaps missing out. We're throwing at the baby with the bathwater and perhaps missing out on something a little bit more with that. So I just want to talk about the four different types and I'm not trying to lure you out of one or talk about how one's way better than the other. I'm going to try and be as honest as I can about the pros and cons of each approach and where each shows merit and where each kind of falls short. And, uh, and, and so that's, that's the point of it because I want you to be fully uh, edu- not fully, I want you to be more educated than you were before this series about all of these different approaches, what fits you, whether or not this church might fit you, and maybe it wouldn't, and, and let's, let's figure this out, and I can point you in the right direction somewhere uh, a little bit differently, and, uh, and anyways, or, or maybe this kind of helps explain a, a lot of kind of the <laughs> approach to religion that's kind of all over the place, and, and I'm trying to make sense of all of this, and I can't really do this. this. The point of this series, hopefully, is to help you have some sort of a language or box to be able to put these in me, like, okay, I see what's happening. I see what's going on with this, and, and this is why it doesn't resonate with me, or it super does uh, in some way. And the goal of this year is to identify these quickly and to put you in a better spot in dealing with the angst of faith, because faith is always a step out into the unknown, always. No matter how long you've been coming to church or uh, how religious you are, consider yourself to be, it's always a, I don't know for sure anything, but here's the best guess that I have, and I want you to, to be able to kind of deal with that. The angst of faith, which is, where am I placing my bets? Where am I placing my, I hope this is true. I want this to be true uh, for me. And, uh, and so anyways, that's, that's where we're going with this. All right, so that's why I think this is important and why you should listen. Um, and then uh, last week we said, the, in the, I'll do this real briefly because uh, you, know, you can go back and listen to the whole thing, but against the world, just to set the stage for today, our, in that approach, our spirituality or our faith is measured by our distance away from the things of the world. And there's definitely like some, some ideas that resonate well with a lot of people, right? Exclusivity in any relationship is always an appeal. Um, when, whenever you have, when you're ever, you're into a, a relationship with somebody for them to hear, my, I have only eyes for you. And I'm not, I'm not like my allegiance isn't diverted elsewhere is, is a sense of reassurance of this relationship and that it's worth investing in whatever forsaking all others. I'm for you. So in terms of separation from things, we see that benefiting relationships. So it would make sense for that to have some sort of part to play in terms of our relationship with faith. Um, number two, historically speaking, there have been a lot of churches who have operated in this against the world mentality. A lot of expressions of church being like, we are going to be completely separate. We are going to be countercultural. We're going to be a city on a hill. We're going to be salt of the earth. Uh, and, and those are some of their favorite verses that they use. Um, uh, and uh, it, it, the prolific I mean, and, and possibly even extreme examples. We're going to set up, you know, the desert fathers. We're going to go into the desert and live off the grid completely. We're going to set up these monasteries. So throughout history, there's a lot of, you know, historical support for it. And there is no question, this will show up a little bit later today, denial of, a, of self plays a critical role in the life of a follower of Christ. Um, choosing to separate myself from sometimes my desires or my habits is a big deal. So I understand the appeal for it. The co- a couple of cautions or problems with it is, uh, number one, that we're never truly as separate as we claim to be. Um, I, I said this, that we're very much a part of the world that sometimes you know, we claim to hate. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and. Uh, there's a little bit of hypocrisy sometimes in that when, when pastors or, or spiritual leaders write these books about, you know, separately engaging from the world, and they're like, here, buy my book. You're like, well, that's kind of entering into this transactional. You're getting rich off, <laughs> off of this, even though this is a book on giving away your wealth as I accumulate wealth. It's super weird. You're like, do you understand that? There? Anyways, um, maybe that's just me. Uh, our angle, this angle typically, sometimes this against the world angle um, has a bad track record of not necessarily producing the fruit uh, that we often 
you know, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians is defined by love. The, the, um, uh, the, here's the way that it looks. It looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and all of its friends. And, uh, and oftentimes this separate sort of I'm against the world creates this otherness, us versus them sort of thing that really results in more pride and false humility than, than any of those things. And so it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous track record. Not to say you couldn't do it, but it's hard uh, to uh, uh, avoid that. And then finally, we cannot ignore God's claim over all creation, right? We said the list that God shows up and, or, you know, the, the, the John's take on, uh, on, on God's approach to the world is that God so loved the world, not the church that he sent his only son. Anyways, so that's why we said there's some good things in that, but there's also some watch out things for that. And that's gonna be true for today's topic too. Today, we're gonna talk about for the world. What does it mean to be for the world? That when I say, uh, when, when I said, you know, what are your feelings when I say the world? And there's, an, there's a certain approach that's like all good, right? We are for the world. That God is for the world. The church should be for the world. And when we hear the words, the two words, the world, we feel no great tension. There's not like a, there's not like a reaction. It's all, I don't know, butterflies and roses and all, all positive things. You heard me roll through some of the pros of last week and thought, well, that's an interesting spin on things. See, I read the verse a little bit differently in that way. When people say I reject that, we're like, no, embrace it. That's a really good thing. And whereas last week I said that last week was really easy talk for me to write because it represented uh, a lot of my personal history and, and uh, based on texts and emails from some of you, a lot of you as well, about where you came from and, and the type of home that you grew up in and you know, how, how we, we prided ourselves on, on how many CDs we were able to burn or scratch, not burn like copy, but like burn in a fire. You're like, what? All you for the people were like, why would you burn perfectly good CDs? As a show of how dedicated we were at summer camp to our glorious savior, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross. Anyways, that was, that was, that was you know, that's, uh, that's, you hear these stories, you're like, that's so crazy that you would do that. I know, I, I understand that. Um, so, I don't come from this, this, uh, from the, from this sort of a, a type, but here, here's the truth of it. This represents more of my internal target uh, as I approach ministry here uh, at Eastlake. People I have in mind uh, often as I'm writing talks and thinking through what does somebody like this need to hear, right? So in terms of for the world people, if you find yourself in this category, there's a good chance you like this church because I'm trying to think through this sort of mentality and this, this approach. Not that, again, I don't think that one approach is like the you know, silver bullet and all of this. There's gonna be some shortcomings as we'll talk about uh, in this, but uh, I, I know that how we do church, I think, is really, really, really unique. Um, and um, I might be biased in that, but I, but I do think that. And uh, these kinds of people are who I have in mind uh, as, we're, as we talk, think through what series we're going to do and what topics we're going to do and what we allow and don't allow in terms of you know, programming and stuff like that. So anyways, somebody who has this type. So let's, let's like go, how do I know if I'm for the world? I, I think I'm, I'm a pretty positive person, but what does it mean for me to be for the world? Well, somebody who's for the world has a few verses that really, really stand out to them. Verses that we, we in, in every type, we reject some, we accept some, we highlight some, right? Some of the ones that are highlighted in this, uh, in this approach is like 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, where Paul writes about these things and he, and he says, I become all things to all people, right? He, he's talking about being strong and weak and, and Gentile, Jew, slave, free, all this kind of stuff. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. This like 
universal, accommodative sort of approach to evangelism. I'll do whatever it takes. Except we oftentimes read it like this. I will read or watch all things made by all people so that I might find glimpses of the gospel in some. That's kind of the approach that we sort of take on this. I consume as much as I can and I will find good things in just about everything because God is in culture. He's in literally everything. I will read a book that says the gospel according to House Targaryen or I will read uh, and see some of you, those of you who got the joke, this is your type. if If the joke skipped over you, you should go back and listen to last week's podcast. That's probably more your type. Anyways, uh, this is uh, one, of, one of my favorite uh, podcasters is working on a book right now, and, and, and it's, it's, it's going to be brilliant, but it's called um, Secretly Sacred. It's like all of these, it's this, uh, it's this approach that like everything has, this, everything has some sort of a, if you'll break down the story a little bit, you'll be able to see the gospel in, in this, or you'll be able to see good news or scriptural support, or here's this movie that was written by a secular person for a secular audience, and yet there are principles in it that are distinctly Christian, even though the, uh, the director and the filmmaker and the producer and the screenplay writer and all that stuff would be like, that's not what our approach. I know that's not your approach, but the principles of Christianity are universal. And the reason that we're drawn to this is because there's something inside of you that is drawn towards that kind of forgiveness or agape love, or I don't know, all of these kinds of things. And so you can see this movie that is, that is primarily uh, deserving of its rating, right? Uh, uh, of, its, uh, of its R rating or whatever and be like, yeah, but like in this, there's like a minute and a half there where there's like this monologue and it's really like, you know, poignant and just beautiful and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, I get it. There's a lot of sex drugs. There's a lot of other things around. It. Yeah, yeah, but let's focus on this thing in this one way, right? We can see this. And this is the reason, um, one of the things uh, that uh, we do, so I'm in, in the... Um, in the video just a second ago, you heard her talking about our community marketplace. We try and offer some you know, opportunities to connect outside of what we do on Sunday mornings. And one of the things that I've been a part of and we've done for several years now, we took a break during COVID, uh, obviously, uh, but we're back and we started this film and we restarted this film and theology sort of thing where the point of it is we watch a documentary together in the elementary theater. Uh, and then after that, we sit around and, and, and discuss what kind of, uh, merits of Christianity kind of show through. And, and the, the question, you know, from everybody starting this thing is, are we only going to watch Christian documentaries? Because that feels like, I don't know how many there are, <laughs> you know, whatever. And I don't know if I can put my, uh, myself for like two hours in that. No, no, any documentary is good because we, we, I, I think that there's some beauty and there's some good things out of this. This is, that's a very much approach to this sort of thing. We're going to watch any document. We watched one called The Value of, uh, of Everything that had zero to do with Christianity. In fact, there were so many things that were uh, against it, and yet uh, we had fantastic discussion afterwards um, because, because of some of the stuff that w- was brought up in that. So th- it's, it's a beautiful thing, and, and it's a beautiful way to kind of approach things and be like, I can find beauty in all of it. Now, a couple of quick critiques on this approach. Because you might be going like, yes, that's all good. That's one of the reasons I like this church, right? You talk, you're willing to show clips of anybody and everything. And, and you might duck a few words out, but I know what they're saying. It's fine. It's good. And, and I, I, I like the, uh, the illustrations and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, a couple of critiques on this sort of approach. Sometimes we can see things that aren't really truly there, right? We can put ourselves in a position, we want them to be there, and so we'll talk about them as if being there, but they're not actually there. Have you ever gone uh, wine tasting with a friend who is not a connoisseur of wine, like drinks wine because it's alcohol and it's there, right? But like, 
And they're like, oh yeah, do you taste the berries in that? And you're like, what are you, what are you talking about? And like, yeah, this, this is very leathery. And you're like, you like Mountain Dew. So I don't think that I can trust your palate when it comes to wine. You know what I mean? Like, it's fine that you think that. And, and the, 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 the winemakers across the table just nodding because they're like, it's not in there, but like, I'm trying to sell them a bottle. So whatever you want to taste is in there. Do you like that? You like leather? Then there's tons of leather in there. We soak it in leather. It's, there's leather everywhere. Um, so that, that, that's, we, 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 try and, we see things that aren't sometimes truly there in that way. Um, we, we watch this movie and we're like, oh man, her love for him was like so deep, it was so raw, it was so fantastic. It was very much agape, divine God sort of love. And you're like, she was having an affair. Like that's a, it was, she's a prostitute. Like there's all, I, I, there's, there's, a, there's the, you can see things that aren't truly there in that way. So, so that caution, right? Number two, selective. We can be very, very selective uh, about what we decide uh, in, in who, in which things that we, we like. Um, uh, a few years ago, I started, I didn't make a formal note of this, but I started shifting what we talked about when we say what kind of a community we are as a church. And I began to use a little tagline, uh, you know, maybe you were aware of it or not, but I kept saying, uh, or I switched it to a community. We're a community trying to discover what it means to live in the way of Jesus, his life and his teaching. Um, and it, because it's really easy to get on board with somebody who we respect universally for the most part, Jesus. Uh, and if he taught a way of life, uh, then, then, you know, I, I can understand getting behind uh, a certain way of life. And, and I, I felt like that was something, that was an approach to uh, religion or Christianity or, um, you know, taking faith seriously that even somebody who was for the world could get behind because of our, you know, ultimate respect. Uh, with Jesus. Um, what's most important about him in this approach is are the elements most accordant with his work and his person. It's less of a focus on his virgin birth, on his sinless life, on the efficacy of his death. and resurrection. In fact, you're, you're, you just said he just sees efficacy. I don't even know what that means. There are churches who would like spend a whole series on stuff like that. And I just, we don't talk about that typically, but efficacy of his death, resurrection, doctrinal issues, whatever. Instead, we focus on a lot of times what, does he, what did he teach? How did he live? Who did he love, right? Well, there's a different sort of focus on that. Not that, that. not that some of those other things aren't important. I think that they are, but um, the, like we learn at the pace in which we're at. And sometimes we, we grow on a need to learn, need to, you know, need to know basis and not necessarily leading with those sorts of things. And, and it becomes this idea of some of those things when it comes to doctrinal things like that feels unreachable. Like, well, Try as I might, I don't think virgin birth is on the table for me. You know what I mean? Um, try as I might, I'm not sure that sinless life works for me or death and resurrection. That's not really something I can follow or emulate or do. Talk to me about things that I can do. What is attainable? What is not unreachable? But it, what is reachable? Not what is, don't talk to me about what is unattainable. Talk to me about what is perhaps attainable. So we're selective on which ones we choose to follow or which one we choose to focus on. We select from his teaching and action as well as from the Christian doctrine about him such points that we agree with what is already what we see best in civilization. A lot of times what is celebrated uh, of Jesus are the things that line up with what we believe is good in the world and how we vote and you know, what we like and what we value. He pushed, this is very, very true. He pushed ideas forward about women, about disabled people, about broken people, about lonely people. Um, he was originally very progressive from in his society and in his day and time. This is, this is why he didn't get crucified because he healed people. 
He got crucified because he pushed the envelope in certain areas that they weren't comfortable to be able to push, and he identified this as God speaking through and breaking through in society, uh, as opposed to just a person. You know, it, it's an approach that says, do you like justice for the underdog? I think you'll love Jesus, right? If you like the idea of altruistic love, Jesus had that in spades. I mean, that was all over the place. All that is good in the world, where does it come from? Why do you call it good? I have an answer for you. It's a really an approach to evangelism that kind of speaks highly of, it takes in culture, what do you like about this? Let me, let me tell you about this person named Jesus who I think lines up with all of the things that you already believe and like about culture. So, so it's accommodating in that way, right? And, and that doesn't sound like critique, Brian. I understand um, let, me, let me read to you a, uh, a quote again from that book that we've been, I've been working through as kind of a resource for this series that'll, I, I think, explain why this is a little bit of a caution. And watch out. If this, is, if this resonates with you, then, then there's something to keep in mind as, uh, as kind of a con to this or a, um, a hesitation or caution in this way. Christianity so interpreted, this is... Um, H. Richard Niebuhr. Christianity so interpreted became a religion and uh, a religion philosophic system regarded doubtless as the best and the only true, uh, regarded doubtless as the best and only true one, yet among many, right? So this approach to, gee, well, I believe in a Christianity that is really, really good and, and probably the best option amongst many. And for people who uh, are against the world, it's the only true option. And, and you know, this approach is a little different. As a, as a religion dealing with the soul, it laid no imperious claim on man's total life. Jesus Christ was our spiritual savior, not the Lord of life. His father was the source of, uh, was not the source of all things, nor their governor. In other words, um, Jesus uh, plays less of a role as Lord of your life and an authority figure, somebody we find ourselves accountable to, and less about like this, like more like spiritual savior, like I need him, but I'm not exactly sure how I even need him. For the church, the new people, there was substituted an association of the enlightened who could live in culture as those who sought a destiny beyond it, but were not in strife with it. When they hear the word, the world, there is no tension there. There's no pushback against it. There's no, we're in this fight against flesh and blood. In fact, we don't even understand those verses. It feels like everything's good. Like Jesus came to just simply affirm the life that I already lead. Participation in the life of culture was now a matter of indifference. It involved no great problems. It involves no great problems. Your faith and your religion in this moment can feel indifferent. If there is no tension whatsoever between the world and the church, uh, in your opinion, if there exists anything, uh, it is simply a misunderstanding or misapplication of Christ and his work. Anytime something, another verse is brought up from our against the world friends, well, what about this? When Jesus says this, you're like, well, that can be interpreted a lot of different ways. Well, and our focus then becomes entirely, mostly on uh, you know, how the church has gotten it wrong and in, in the attitudes of not of what Jesus had to say, but how we applied that incorrectly or misunderstood it or whatever. And in this version of Jesus, the danger we find ourselves in is that your version of Jesus votes exactly the same way you do. It's amazing, right? Because of course he does. The only thing backwards about Christ is oftentimes, like I said, his church, its teachings, perhaps its ceremonies. He never asks you to leave anything behind he doesn't call upon men and women to leave their homes and families for his sake. In fact, we don't even understand that verse. We instead, he enters into those homes as a gracious presence, which adds an aura of infinite meaning to all temporal tasks. Jesus never asks you to sacrifice anything, but just to live fully into what you're already doing. And I know you might be sitting there going, geez, Brent, you went really negative on this really, really fast. Last week, it took you like 20 minutes to come up with objections. And this one, like right there, we already share, here's why. I think we already share a lot of the many common assumptions about why this thing is good. I've mentioned that. Like I've said that this is an, an approach uh, that is 
more well-trodden than the, the first approach in this church and in this community. Why? Because uh, from the front, you've heard me talk about goodness in creation, right? Inherent goodness in creation, that it is broken, but it is on a path towards healing, that God wants to heal creation. That's what we read in Romans chapter eight, that creation groans as we do going, what is wrong with the world? And with the, even the news that came out this week, and we go, God, why? Why could this, why could this happen? How could this, how could we allow this to happen? How could somebody do this, like this sort of thing? And, and, and when we pray, thy will be done, we have this uh, approach of, uh, of wanting healing and wanting restoration for the goodness of creation that we just need to unpack and chip away all the bad stuff and let the good thing that's already in there um, kind of shine in that way. And not, not only that, one of the common assumptions that we share that I, that I talked about is I think that there are a lot of people who consider themselves to be secular, they would never say secular, but like not a Christian, not religious, atheist maybe even, who are more Christian than they give themselves credit for. Like I'll watch them, see them, read them, uh, watch their movies, uh, watch their documentaries and be like, that is a very Christian person who has not come to grips with how Christian it is. He, would, he or she would say, I'm not religious in any way. I know, but like there's something in there that's, that's very, very good. Uh, this is one of the quotes from C.S. Lewis that has resonated with me and, and is always on the back of my mind as, as I'm navigating all of this. He goes on to talk about like, the, the animal self and the diabolical self, mere Christianity. Here's what he says. The pleasure of putting other people in the wrong, he's talking about the diabolical self, right? So we, have, we all suffer from some sort of sin. Some are worse than others, and so this is the gradations of sin, right? The pleasure of putting other people in the wrong, of bossing and patronizing and spoiling sport and backbiting, the pleasures of power, of hatred, for there are two things inside of me competing with the human self, which I must try to become. They are the animal self and the diabolical self. There are the sins, the, the venial sins, the, the sins of, uh, of uh, perhaps uh, gluttony or the sins that are kind of obvious. And then the ones that we try and hide, right? The diabolical self, the ones that most people might not ever see, but exist inside of us anyways. The diabolical self is the worst of the two. This is why a cold, self-righteous prig who goes regularly to church may be far nearer to hell than a prostitute. But of course, and then C.S. Lewis does this, he draws us back in, but of course it is better to be neither. This first part of this verse resonates with this for the church sort of people, right? We look at it and be like, see, this is the against the world people that we're talking about. This is that approach that's like, it is far better for us to suffer through or struggle through sins of the animal self than it is the diabolical self, right? And then C.S. Lewis goes, yeah, but yeah, except keep in mind, of course, it's better to be neither in this approach. So, which leads us to a question, a question of loyalty. If, 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 if this if somebody who said, okay, everything you've talked about in terms of for the, for the world and, and I, I live with no great tension between this, when I hear the world, I'm like, everything's positive, everything's good. And I, I really like the progressive Jesus. I really like all the things that resonate with me and, and Jesus, the Jesus who votes exactly like I do. Then my, here's my thing for you. Here's my, what do I do with this? You know, what, what, do I, what, are, my, what are my next steps? It's a question of loyalty. To who, whom are we most loyal to, Christ or culture? Do we hold up Christ and see where culture fits in or do we hold up culture and see where Christ fits into that, right? I mean, it's a, it's a matter of which one takes priority, which one gets to say no to the other thing. And our pressure to accommodate Christ and our pressure to hold up culture and be like, let's figure out where religion fits into this. We have a consistent tendency to distort the figure of the New Testament Jesus, right? We become uh, selective. We become generous in our interpretations, as I said. 
We find it strangely desirable to read and to write apocryphal gospels about the new lives of Jesus. Weird kind of seeing some of those books come out and be like, this is the Jesus you had no idea about. 17 kids, four wives. And you're like, what? Where does this come from, right? Uh, we focus in perhaps on one fragment of the complex New Testament story. We like the Jesus of, uh, of, of Matthew uh, we like the Jesus of John chapter one, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. He's the Logos made human. He's the, he's the, he's the being that we don't really, you know, have never really associated with anything, but he's in, in, in human flesh. We love the Jesus, uh, you know, for the most part, the Sermon on the Mount Jesus, not everything about the Sermon on the Mount Jesus, but most of the stuff of the Sermon on the Mount Jesus. We love the kingdom of heaven is near sort of Jesus when he goes and heals somebody and be like, the kingdom of heaven is right here. It's in this room. It's the friends who are lowering their lame friend, not because he like wears Jinko jeans still. I'm saying the guy who can't walk, he lowers him from this. They, 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 they work hard to lower him from the ceiling and he sees that kind of devotion from his friends and be like, this, that represents the kingdom of heaven. We love that version of Jesus. This is the lens that we that we oftentimes look through, how convenient that it seems to free or to set us free or, or to kind of coincide with the interests or the needs of our time. The resulting portrait of Christ is little sometimes more than the personification of an abstraction. We take some little thing and make it all about this thing, even though that's not really him. We are unwilling to accept the whole thing. We just like this version of it. And whenever anybody else brings anything up about, well, what about when Jesus says to die to self and do this? And we're like, well, you know, that can go a lot of different ways. Let's think of it in terms of our relationship. Um, if all you knew about me was the 30 minutes a week version that you see of me on Sundays, it would be weird for you to say that you really truly know me, right? As much as I try and be authentic as I can be, um, this is still a stage and it's still a monologue and I'm still nervous about trying to get you to like me. So I'll tell you funny stories and, and creative things and try to appear smart because I'm trying like hell to impress you. I'm still motivated to have you like me. So there's still a version of me that is a show. As much as you'd be like, yeah, but like, I know you a little bit from off the stage and you seem to be the same person. That's a, that's a goal of mine. That's great, but let's be realistic on this. Um, I'm more complex and that doesn't mean like complex in the way that is all, always positive, like, oh, just so smart, thank you. No, more complex in terms of, I don't tell you all the stories about yelling at my kids or, because those don't preach well, right? <laughs> or the fights with my wife, do those things happen? Of course they do. Are they recent? Yes, do you know about them? No, <laughs> right? Because you're not inspired by that. That doesn't move you forward. That doesn't make you appreciate the message anymore. So you know a version of me. You like a, I'm hoping you do anyways. Again, you like a version of me. I'm more complex than what you see on Sundays and so are you. You, can com you know, complex can mean all sorts of things, less funny, more annoying, all of the things. And how weird would it be for you to be like, I want to be friends with the Sunday version of you. If, if, we, if we ever met outside of this and we went down, I'm like, hey, we should go grab some dinner, you know, double date or something like that. And we went out to dinner and then I was just not funny uh, and more annoying. And he'd be like, yeah, um, I think I like what I see on Sundays more than what I'm getting here. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get it. That's probably a true statement, but that's not really then having a relationship with me. That's just, you know, a version of me that is highly curated. Anyways, 
as broken as that feels, that is the danger of an approach in the for the world where we leverage all the things that we really like about Jesus in this way without taking into him taking into account the complex nature of what he was about and who he was and what he talked about and what he valued. If we accept the lordship of Christ only in the categories where his teachings already line up with our pre-established patterns of living, if we accept his teaching only in the areas where it makes sense to us in our rational approach to life and where it doesn't, we can create some obscure workaround, right? If there exists zero tension between the way of Jesus and the way of the world, then perhaps his invitation is to something else entirely. I think Jesus is very much for the world, and so should we. But to think that he doesn't, or that doesn't put us in a position to die to ourselves once in a while at some point is probably to miss the point. And so when you see that, when you hear that, as you go and go, that's what I really like though, just be aware there's a chance he's calling you to something a little bit more and we should be open to this. Otherwise, we're not really dealing fully with the complex nature of who Christ was and what he stands for about. We're gonna continue this series. Uh, next week, we're gonna talk about above the, above the world. When we, when we say the world, there's like a sense in which religion and, and uh, church can transcend the menial day-to-day life of this. And usually I close in prayer and a lot of times my prayers are like mini recaps of what I just talked about as a way of saying, God, if they weren't listening, at least let this be something that they would hear. Um, <laughs> just being honest with you. You're like, I don't like that version of Brent. You need to rewind that. Uh, uh, but I wanted to do something different today. Uh, it is Memorial Day weekend, and we had a big uh, tragedy happen, uh, happened this last week. And I think it all kind of ties together. So that's what I want my prayer to be about. So... If you wouldn't mind, uh, bow your head and close your eyes in a uh, moment of, of, of prayer. Father, we uh, lift up the families uh, of the victims of the shooting this week. We mourn together with those parents and can't even begin to imagine uh, what it felt like to wake up the next morning and this week and even this weekend, go to church and you know, not be able to check that kid into the nursery or the, or the elementary room or whatever. I mean, that's just awful. And uh, we have a lot of things as a nation that we are processing, working through. We have big decisions ahead about how do we stop this? How do we keep this from happening? What's going on? What are, what's broken in this way? And to hear some of the details uh, even this week about the first responders and uh, showing up, but there's the timeline is just an awful part of kind of the reality of what took place there and not moving in and, and, and as soon as they got there. And it's just, a, it's a really tough deal. I under, we understand it. Um, Father, there's something in us that exists on a self-preservation level. Um, and I, I can't even imagine how they feel. Pray for their families too and, and the families of the victims in relation to those first responders too. That's just a, an awful deal in, in that moment, in, in that spot. Um, there was a, a sense of uh, we care about us um, more than we care about them or others. And that is really, really tough. And it's not easy and I'd like to think that I, my own self would do something differently. And as a parent, 
I'd like to think, you know, I, I would step in for my kids uh, at, at that point, no questions asked. And yet I don't really know, you know? You know we, 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 none of us truly know. We like to think that we would, but who, who knows? I'm thankful that I've never been put in that position. So your grace in that area is significant. Um, but I think what that highlights for me is on a weekend like this, where we do celebrate people who put other people and uh, other people's safety ahead of their own and died serving our country, serving our nation, serving uh, all of these things. So in a, in a moment where we see the opposite effect, we also then hopefully resonate with us a deep sense of awareness and of gratefulness for people who um, responded by saying, we love you and others more than ourselves. May that sort of sacrifice, may that sort of courage, may that sort of an approach be indicative of our lives as well in each of our own different ways. Maybe it doesn't require us to sacrifice our life, but uh, what it does for us is call us to remind ourselves uh, that the path towards Christianity is to die to self uh, and to live for others. We ask God that you would give us wisdom and courage to do something about it in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, eastlaketricities.com, or better yet, download our app by searching East Lake Tri Cities in your favorite app store.